It's the last week of the month. No. Yep. It's my least favorite day, dude. You're not getting out of it. Last time you fuckers said you both had the flu and I had to fucking deal with it. I'm not. We're all doing it together, dude. I Three got, I got the flu right. I got the flu right now. Dude, you had the flu last week, Kron. You called in. I got it's a, a different strain, oh, dude. Like, that's how it works. Nope. Yeah. Stomach hurts. Nope. Plandemic, dude. You know how. Come on. Not getting out of it this week, dudes. I don't want this month. I'm so sick. Cron, let's just Cron, let's just do it because if we, we had don't that, do it, it's worse next month. Like if it's going to be worse this month, dude. We had the Bogo sale. <sighs> Buy one, get one. Why? Are, why are these guys yeah. jerking off before they get home? Like just because the porno's on Scandal. sale doesn't mean you jerk off before you buy it. Like the whole point is. What I'm telling these kids, sales make people so mm-hmm. horny, dude. Oh, they were lined up Jesus, like it was fucking on, Black thought, Friday, like, dude. <laughs> dude, it's what keeps the tugging? store alive, dude. Why'd you know that? Go out to a beach, do some beach tugging. You know, it was just, it was, it was all just trench coats, dude. And you know, there wasn't anything under those. <laughs> tugging keeps the lights on, dudes. You know that. If we could solar power this Speaking place of off trench of coats, do we have? Did we order new waiters for this? Because oh, I got mine on. Oh, you came into work in those. Okay, yeah. So I you, know what day it is. I thought it was yeah. just a look. I thought he was just doing a thing. No. You like that? I, they seem fashionable. For I mean, yeah, all leather, baby. That's not what. Aren't you, aren't you sweating what, down there? What would you oh, call yeah, I that can't color? Sit down. Eh, it's like a like a brown 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 on brown brown gray brown brown gray brown. There's there's some. I'd say brown okay, brown. Let's, yeah. I guess let's check the drawer here. Let's see what we've got. This one. This one. This is sure. a little I, small. I think this is you. Yep. What is this? It's just his straight up this burlap, dude. That's canvas. I don't know how that's, that's gonna that do. Um, uh, soak right into that thing. It looks cool though. Like I can wax it up, and the the water will just beat yeah, up. Now off that of it. and that will breathe in comparison to what Dan has. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah, that I'm will, stinking over that here. That will breathe like bad. Oh yeah. I wish I I wish I would have waxed it though, because I feel like there's going to be a lot of fluid yeah. back there. I'm just saying a little A and D on those okay. nips. That way it don't chafe. You know what I'm saying? All right. What's is this sequined? Oh, oh, it's like silk, look, baby. It's kind of that's I'm beautiful. Look like a fucking mermaid. <laughs> I'm not wearing Dude. this shit. Oh, it looks so good though. Oh, when you turn, uh, it changes now, colors. Hey, <laughs> I just got a, my own reflection in the window. I'm actually <laughs> taking back what I said. Holy hey, shit, this is making my eyes pop. Give us a little uh, twirl there. It looks nice. Yeah, that. I, I, oh, I can't really move, though. Oh. It's more, this is like a, a waddle. I'm only at a 15 degrees here. Hold on. Uh, it's, all, it's all about the looks, baby. <laughs> Look at that cake, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's nice. Have you been doing squats? Training, buddy. 
All right, I'm coming back. I, I don't think I can do a, a full 360, Dan. I know you love a 360, but I don't think that's going to happen. This is yeah. now. I'm nervous. Now you would think like a fish scale, right? There's a benefit to that. They can like move through the water. Am I going to be able to slide through the jizz in this, or is it going to be a? You stay on top. Once you're on top, you okay. Just keep that. Yeah, you know, clean around. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm not meeting the cum vertically you know that's my problem it's like it's coming at me perpendicular and i'm nervous it's gonna crust underneath these scales because i'm taking this home all right this is it's this is it's nice all right you look good you look good in it wow i my mood has totally turned around i was like kind of excited there's a twinkle there's a twinkle this is really really straight i don't know how to handle this i think you should uh I think you should go in the room first. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, I got. I, mean, I got this. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna turn a disaster into something beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's in there. All right, give him give him the uh, squeegee. Oh shit! He dove in. <laughs> he dove in head first. <laughs> the waiters are only kind of they're kind of chest down, but he just. He's getting it. Shit. Oh, he's doing a backstroke. That was my whole plan the whole time, Karan, to get him in there first. Yeah. That's why I we gave st- him that beautiful one. Dude, I was trying to get out of this all day, yeah. so, I mean. I farted in here, and it was, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to watch, you want to watch a movie? Yeah, I would, I, anything to keep me out of that room, to be honest. So, I think we just wear our waiters, and we watch something together. All right. I got the perfect movie. Streets of Fire, this week on Five Day Rentals. Everybody to the Five Day Rentals podcast. We are the video store podcast. Where each week we take turns picking a movie that we think meets a fun non-genre category. We're cracking open a new category this week with Direction Erection, the films of Walter Hill. And this week's pick is Streets of Fire from 1984. Of course, directed by Mr. Walter Hill. It has to be. I'm going to be taking you through this uh, neon-dripped, fantastic motorcycle ride of Streets of Fire this week. I'm Laundry Dan. As always, I am here with uh, my two best friends that anybody could have, Bones and Karan. Hmm. Hangover reference. That's my favorite Walter Hill movie. (laughs) That's not a Walter Hill movie. I'm going to just do my impression of the driver through this record. You're not going to say a word. Yeah. But I I still want one third of the money we get. (laughs) You showed up at least. 
Mm-hmm. He, he can't I'm here. Mm-hmm. You nod and you, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do that all the time. If, the, if that's one thing Kron's good for, it's a few nods and a, mm-hmm, throughout the show. We're going to conjure up all. Who do you think Kron's mm-hmm more, you or me? Mm-hmm. I think me. Or maybe I just notice it when I listen back to the episode. Yeah. I'm sure I'm the one who says like the most, unfortunately. I think that's all of us. Yeah. You two Maybe. are pretty much tied for. Um, all right, where was I? Fucking lost here in my notes. Yeah, it's easy to get lost, dude. <laughs> yeah. With the so amount of detail we so put in dense these notes. notes, you take. Yeah, got reams of notebooks, dude. Now, that's true. Can't be that that much for this movie, right? Uh, we got sixteen pages. Cody Simmers. It's pretty straightforward. Hey, the, that's I mean, Tom Cody to you. Sorry. Oh, also, uh, Dan, did you specifically pick this movie because the song breaks give you a moment to not have to take notes? I mean, we start with a seven-minute song. We end with a seven-minute song. Eh, it doesn't hurt. 14 minutes of a 90-minute runtime. Awesome. Yeah. I, w- I wasn't mad, I'll tell you that much. Because you can kind of just for that write down like... Ellen Ames sings a song that covers seven minutes of the movie. Work harder or work smarter, not harder, Cron. Right? Movie I picked is fucking like a brick. The amount of plot that's in there. <laughs> the dialogue in it, your it's movie. <laughs> it, it, it's more plot than one movie should have. It, you got more plot than words that the characters speak, I think. And that's next. We'll get there. We're talking about Streets of Fire from 1984, dudes. We're ready to crack open a new category. Direction, erection, Walter Hill. Everybody's favorite director, right? Yeah, I wonder if we come out of this with an even greater appreciation or if we come out of this with like a... Eh. I think I'm a maybe it was maybe it was all right. I think I'm a carpenter man. That you can't build shit. If I had to pick one director, <laughs> carpenter. Yeah. Dan is is Kubrick right or Fincher Finchy? I'm a I'm a Kubrick Finchy. No, you, you kind of guy. Can I pick two? Okay, yeah. Carpenter to Palma. Wow. Fucking cult nerd over here. <laughs> He's so fucking cool. Bones, you gotta pick two. You guys can guess my two. Wes Anderson. Yep. Nolan. Nolan. Nope. Oh, wow. Man. Oh, shit. Man might be number three. Cameron? Nah, he might be like, he's probably like number five. Who are we missing? Who's the guy that did in Bruges? McDonough. McDonough. He wouldn't wouldn't be on there. Or McDonough. 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 Something. Some Irish. It's pronounced Madonna. Who's... Who's only made nine movies and they're all fantastic and 
we go in waves of hating him. Do I hate him? I think you're you probably have the same opinion of him as you uh, do with Tarantino. Yeah. That's a solid think, two. And I mean the benefit is with picking those two, I get so many other directors because they are so heavily influenced by other shit, right? Wes Anderson? Yeah. Dude's smelling his own turds. Like, no. He just takes all those, like, 30s and 40s movies and repackages them to be. Cron, what? Cron, what's the best Wes Anderson movie? Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Thank you. I agree. It's a fair answer. Without a right answer. It's the correct answer. I would say Life Aquatic after that. What an interest. Okay, so this is interesting to our personalities. Like me being so influenced by the guys who are like, I I take in a lot. I build off that. I've got my own particular style. Kron has this very, uh, this is the shit that I like, and whether it looks cheap or it doesn't make any sense, like it's specific to you to me. And Dan is the we're gonna do a thousand takes, and if you don't get it, fuck you sort of mentality it's pretty good pretty 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 good but i mean we can't do any of those as direction erections because those are all five-star bangers from those guys (laughs) gotcha wait what we've done multiple carpenter and (laughs) de palma movies so yeah, I'm going to start lowering my scores just Let's so we see. can do we some could, more of their movies. <laughs> we could do Panic Room. We could do Alien 3. <laughs> That's the two Finchers. Those are the two Finchers you could do. You could you could do like all but one Kubrick for me as far as I'm concerned. We're doing Blowout as a five-day or a five-star. Mm-hmm. We cannot do one particular Carpenter. Well-established. Yeah. Unless it's put in a certain category. What if one of you two pick it? Would that be allowed? I think it's 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 tainted now, bro. God damn it! I I threw I threw out a I threw out a category of like just fuck it. It's a five star. Like I'm going to rate it five stars. If only to like clean up our top ten, but. We just do the five stars so infrequently that mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to change how quick we do five stars. No, I just think I just think Big Trouble would work so well as a <laughs> five day rental movie. What was the category when you initially picked Big Trouble? This is a rewind. It was uh, it was Black Magic. Black Magic. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And then we ended up doing Prince of Darkness, which I re-rated to five. So, oh, on your personal rating, yeah, yeah, just on like my hey, letterboxed. Hey, Cron, hey, you are a carpenter guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at that flannel he's wearing. He's probably building like a fucking side table or something right now. Do you know any Walter Hill guys? Like, are they? Do they exist? Like, are they? I think I think they're mostly in prison. Dead. They're. <laughs> 
going to say think, Gad, but. I think you don't realize you're a Walter Hill guy until you like, oh, shit. He, oh, shit. Oh. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. all down at the VFW hall right now. <laughs> we'll get into that discussion I, next week. <laughs> I think the bummer, like, he's got a sizable filmography, but I think, unfortunately, it has a steep drop-off once he hits a certain decade. So, we'll see. That's what this category is right, uh, about, right, Dan? Yeah, I mean, Walter Hill uh, has done some great shit, I think. Uh, you always get... I think well-rounded characters. Well, we'll discuss that with Streets of Fire. Um, always kind of pushing the envelope, I think. Uh, action. He's a good action guy. Uh, I've seen some things out there. And a lot of guys say he's more of a writer than a director. But I don't know. I think dialogue-wise with Walter Hill, you always get... Like real life. I think it's real life. You know what I mean? Like that's how people would talk. I don't feel like he's no, he's no Aaron Sorkin. You know what I mean? Right. I don't think I would want him to be, but, um, you bring that up. I was going to ask in your notes anywhere was, is there any trivia about Rick Moranis? Just, ad-libbing throughout this thing um there is some about rick moral ass <laughs> thank you going on this show um about <laughs> i guess he was coming this was early on so he was a comedian so uh, he did have some trouble with um tom cody's character there michael piera Para, whatever the fuck his name is. I so wanted to text Kron this week and say, how many pronunciations do you think Dan will will give a fuck up? Yeah. Dan, do you do you have a- the quote? Eddie. Do you have the quote that he gives about like what Rick Morales said to him? So do you just act like a tough guy or are you a tough guy all the time? Or <laughs> something that like doesn't that. seem that offensive to me. <laughs> <laughs> I read that too. I was like, that was a joke. And it yeah, it cut him to the core, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, really. he's like, I'm not going to work well with this guy. Yeah, it just seems like, I don't know, if somebody said that to me, I would not I would that's, be like, this guy's part. Yeah, fucking bullying me. It seems like just a throwaway joke and that his, guy got real offended, I guess. His statement was like, well, he was a comedian at that time, and those guys could walk around and just pretty much say whatever they wanted to say with, like, and you just had to take it. I was like, what? Yeah. He was 84, man. Cocaine, maybe. Again, it just doesn't seem that offensive. <laughs> hey, Karan, what are you, a tough guy, or are you just acting like a tough guy? Yeah, me, me and Rick Morales will beat the shit out of people, dude. You mean Rick Moral ass? Mm-hmm. I'm make those t-shirts. <laughs> but yeah, guys, we're going to start Direction Erection with Walter Hill's Streets of Fire from 1984. 
do we have any uh, anything else up top that we want to want to get out there? Uh, I believe um, while you guys were going on about Rick Morales, I sat here and listened to a bunch of uh, pronunciations of pare, 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 like P A H R A Y, ray, pare. We won't have to worry about that, guys, because I will be calling him Tom Cody. Well, a name like that. Name. Mm-hmm. You guys, I'm going to change your name to Tom Cody. No, I've been Thunderbird two since <laughs> for some time for a few yeah. reports. I've seen it on there. Bones, Streets no, of Fire. Is... I I've seen it before. This was a, a rewatch for me. Watched on Valentine's Day. Ooh. A little peek behind the curtain when this record's happening. I uh, threw it on. Wife said, uh, what are we watching? So it's called Streets of Fire, Walter Hill. She said, I don't know who the fuck that is. Said he directed 48 Hours and the Warriors. She was like, did I watch that one? I said, yes, you did. I started it. She started walking around and said, uh, you can go ahead and start it. I'll, I'll catch up. I said, no, you need to watch the first few frames of the movie. Um, she came in and sat down during the uh, opening music number and was immediately confused and asked, when is this? Where is this? And I backed it up so she could see the card that explains that it's uh, another place, another time. And then the first time we see Willem Dafoe and his waiters, she lost her shit. <laughs> and at about the 70 minute mark, she said, I'm going to bed. So it's a fun, fun Valentine's Day over here at the, the Bones household. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I mean, that's almost the whole movie, though. 70 minutes. Uh, I think my wife made it to 45 and that's being generous. So, right. But one could argue if you're going to make it 70 why couldn't you make it to 90? Yeah. At least she cut out the halfway point. At the halfway That's point, they've got her back, right? So she yeah, gets, it's, it's, a, it's a little, she gets a little like satisfaction. All right, they got her back. Cool. Let me move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, she was like, that's, that's enough movie there. <laughs> My wife left before the hammer fight. What a tease. I think if you make it 70 and there's only 20 left, you, you gotta just stick it out at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on speakerphone. <laughs> Yell at my wife. No, I'll be like, you should leave a movie anytime you want. We gotta start this movie. I just looked at the time. Ladies and gentlemen, from 1984, Streets of Fire. We start off with some text here. A rock and roll fable. Another time, or another place, another time. We got a very 1950s feel going on here. Kind uh, of. <laughs> Until the music starts. Yeah, we got some 1950s feel. 1980s rock. Everyone's gearing up for the big rock show that, that night. Nice crowds going on. Mick, Mick Morales is playing Billy Fish. I call him Nick or Rick. I think you called him Mick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mick Fish. That's right. 
It's a sandwich. Um, he's complaining at the crowd at the rock at the rock show. Ellen Aim takes the stage and starts rocking. The crowd's loving it. We got a very meatloafy ish song going on. Hey, mm-hmm. yeah, didn't the, didn't this guy like write meatloaf music or something? Yeah, the writer that was in charge wrote "Bed Out of Hell," so you could you could tell he was still kind of stuck in that uh that mm-hmm. phase. Even my wife pointed it out. She was like, I, I sort of know this. What is this making me think of? And I said, Bad Out of Hell. She said, name a song from that. And I did about four minutes of Paradise by the Dashboard Light. It was pretty great. Right there in my living room. You guys should have seen it. I got well, it on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, uh, those four and a half minute long TikToks. Karan's our TikTok guy. I haven't mm-hmm. checked in on how we're doing on it. How are we doing on TikTok, Ron? Oh, well, we're blown up, dude. A, a billion views. Ever since we had John Travolta promote our TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to a motorcycle gang. They're rolling in. The concert continues. The motorcycle gang enters the rock show. We get some pretty sweet shots of them just kind of standing in the darkness of the crowd, not doing anything. We get a slow reveal of Mr. Willem Dafoe. His name is Raven. Where is, where is this in his career? It's got to be early, right? Mm-hmm. Like he hadn't done a whole lot before this? Uh, he was recommended. So he, I can't remember what the fucking movie he was on before this. I feel like he's... Yeah, very, very early on. I feel like he's young enough in this movie that he like hasn't grown into his face yet. <laughs> There's no his wrinkles. Face looks too big for... His body somehow in this movie. I believe this is his second time around here for Five Day Rentals. He's in The Hunger as well. Yep. Don't lose your beans. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is two years before Platoon. So, okay, yeah, Platoon's where he really was stood out. And a movie I have not seen in a while that I've talked about, uh, To Live and Die in L.A., was right after this, too. Oh, that's a freaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That had come across the show. Got a fucking great car chase in that movie. Freaking knows the cars, man. Uh, he shouts now as Ellen is doing a dance number. Raven's gang rushes the stage, grabs Ellen, and panic, asu- panic ensues in the club. The, game's- the gang starts beating people up as they make their way onto the stage, and then they make their way out of the venue with Ellen and take off with her on hey, the back of their hogs. Lest we forget, one particular Five Day Rentals favorite tries to intervene. Hey. That's uh, the... The star of the vagrant himself, yes, Mr. Bill Paxton. Uh, the gang causes all kinds of mayhem and anarchy as they uh, pour out into the streets. But they manage to uh, escape with Ellen. And leave chaos behind. Uh, we cut to a letter being typed out at, to ask Tom Cody to come home. We get a really quick cut to Tom Cody coming home. He's arriving on the 
Metro there. Where did I know it's another time, another place, but is this set in Gotham City? Like Chicago. Oh, it's all fucking like steel beams and Mm -hmm. steam everywhere. It's basically the Chicago L train, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, right? Although this this, Chicago I'm sure is all backlot, but it's all backlot. There's kind of Hill didn't want to go to Chicago. There's like that one club and like the fucking steel girders that run all the way around it. That's like half the movie almost. Oh, yeah. They for sure are faking facades and, and little tweaks to shoot in the same like eighth mile. Mm-hmm. I believe I they get the same street like eight times. It works, <laughs> I think, though. I think the world that he built works. So we'll say that. Uh, Tom arrives. Tom Cody, he heads to the diner, has some coffee. Uh, the Roadmasters show up. They start giving the waitresses a hard time. This is where we meet Riva. She tells them that they're looking like a bunch of punks and that all the trouble has already left with uh, Raven's gang over there. Lady from the Warriors, Warriors. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, she is from the Warriors. And she's also from her third appearance here on Five Day Rentals, Brain Smasher, a love story. Oh, that's right. Uh, These goons, they start fucking up the diner. Tom Cody's not going to fucking stand for this shit. Butterfly knives show up, gentlemen. (laughs) I like when uh, Tom Cody takes his overcoat off and (laughs) it looks like he exclusively trained to fight down on the farm. Like. I guess there was an unruly pig or something that he had to. You think deal that's with. where he was coming from? He looked. I mean, it's just like a tattered shirt. I think his pants are held up by a piece of twine or something. Oh, I mean, it's it's farm boy badass for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's the new Tom Ford line. It's. I think it's a badass look. Actually, the denim shirt, like cut off with the um, suspenders. Yeah, Later, when you I, see him shirtless, he like he's. I was cracking up because he stands like Robert Mitchum, like he's little and <laughs> he's like lean and tall. But like, like when the he's way, talking to her, yeah. But the way he like presses his chest back and everything, I'm like he fucking. It's like he watched a bunch of Robert Mitchum movies and was like, I'm just gonna try to do that. I know when he tells her, yeah, he's going after her. Like he wakes her up and like the way he, I'm like, what the fuck is he? Like, got an itch on his back or some shit. It just seems like, I don't know, if you were at a bar, you know, and you removed your coat and you had like a fucking kung fu gi on or something, like, that would be like, oh shit, we've made a mistake, but this just looks like, oh, watch out, this guy knows how to, I don't know, like, put up stretch fencing or something. I mean, Lasso a... Yeah. <laughs> a cow. When he took the coat off, I was not worried for the gang, really. I was more worried for Tom Cody at that point. Oh, but he shows how tough he is. Yeah. Uh, Tom Cody goes to town on these punkers, throws them around, slaps them around. They leave the place. He steals their car. And him and... uh, I think I counted about 27 slaps. Yeah, there's a lot of slaps. Yeah, because he fucking... And then finally knocks yeah, him they, down. Yeah, they edit in some flourishes there. 
which are <laughs> which are kind of cool. Uh, he steals their car, and him and uh, Raven they take off for a joyride. Uh, we got the cops. They chase down him and or her and Tom. They pull him over and give him a warning. I also like we only have two cops in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's fucking hilarious. Uh, they give him a warning, and one of the cops mentions that he's Tom Cody and he ain't been home in a while. Um, we cut to the cops later on after they let him go, saying that Tom Cody's a punk and that he got busted a while ago for having a gun. That's Slider from Top Gun, by the way. One of the cops. Rick Rosovich. He's also... Uh, is he the boyfriend of Sarah Connor's roommate in Terminator? The one that, yeah. Cool. (laughs) Good pull, Bones. Tom and Reva, they go to her place. Uh, She brings up that uh, he was really into Ellen and explains that she's living with Billy Fish now. She plays at the Rock Joints and she recently got kidnapped. Tom says he won't be saving an old girlfriend who shacked up with another guy. Uh, We got to Tom. He hits the bar. Sorry, Dan. There was a lot of like sexual talk here, too, because she she mentions like not having like having a few guys over, but nothing that lasts. Like that just seems like. Yeah. He says something about like, when was the last time you had a guy here or over? And she says that. uh you know, I've had a few, but nothing that stuck around. But just basically admitting, like, yeah, I'm sleeping around and shit. Like, that seems so casual to talk to your sister about. I don't know. It's another time, dude. I mean, <laughs> another place. It's true. <laughs> Who knows what the norms are? This is a rock and roll fable. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean hey, I'm all for her liberation and all that shit. So go for it. But not a conversation. I hated when girls called me at like on the landline, and my mom would be like, "Hey, there's a girl on the phone for you." I just hang up. I'm not. You're not going to listen. I have no romantic interest when my parents or my family is around. Doesn't exist. What's up, babe? How those tits? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'd be like, "Can you take down a name and a number? I'm already on the phone with one." All right, fucking make this Brewster's quick. Millions over here with two fucking landlines. Holy <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. That's right. Got him. That's how many women were calling the house. <laughs> Tom chats with uh, old Bill Paxton here. Tom Cody. Oh, Tom Cody. How's your hammer hanging? Yeah, I got, I got beat up trying to save your old girlfriend. You should have been there. Would have been like the old days. We would have whooped some ass. That's Clyde the bartender, Mr. Bill Paxton. Um, He's so fucking good. I'm so mm-hmm. bummed that I was so hard on Bill Paxton for years. You were hard on Bill Paxton? Yeah, I used, to, I used to just think he was like corny and lame. And I, <sighs> I think it, it's just like the Texas accent that's always there, but. I don't know, man. He's like a solid fucking 
he's a solid character actor. Like yeah. a role like this, he, yeah, he like elevates it. Mm-hmm. You know, like he is my favorite part of True Lies. I hear he's really good in this movie called The Vagrant. You should check that out. Fuck that. Watch, uh, watch Brain Dead. Clyde the bartender, he gets into it with a lady here. Her name's McCoy. Um, McCoy knocks the shit out of Clyde after they well, share some words. I wanted to revisit, uh, speaking of the Pullman uh, Paxton paradox, uh-huh. about, about bartending etiquette or patronizing a bar <laughs> and being rude. McCoy is nothing but rude. She is. To, to old Clyde here, you know. I'm 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 in favor of him shutting her ass down. Okay. Got rocked. Yeah. Yeah. She was very rude. Mhm. And he was calling her out on her shit. And because yeah. it's inappropriate to hit a woman, she has the upper hand. It's fucked up. And they got some a bottle out of it, too. Fuck yeah. They stole from the bar. Yeah, Cody just that's, stole from his old friend. That's going to come out of that guy's pocket, dude. Clyde knows Tom Cody's in town. Like, we're going to cut. We're going to take a loss tonight. <laughs> they share a drink. And then Tom and her take off. Just to be clear, though, a totally different scenario from... Last seduction where that lady just goes in and tries to order a drink. No, she no, demands. She's, she's a very drink. rude. She's mm. very rude. I don't know. <laughs> this lady is rude. Oh, more rude. McCoy was originally wrote as an overweight sidekick male, but oh, when uh, I bet Louis Anderson was pissed when <laughs> this this part <laughs> fell through. <laughs> If it's got wheels or a motor, I can drive it or fix it. Has <laughs> any <the> army? <laughs> but our our girl here, who plays McCoy, she's also in uh, Uncle Buck. She plays the yeah older it was sister. Fucking killing me. Yeah, because I was like, God damn, where have I seen this lady before? And she's what, like, I'm more interested in McCoy. Who so. did you say she plays? I thought she played Buck's girlfriend that doesn't believe that he's got to go watch oh, his. Oh, I thought it was the sister. I don't fucking remember. The sister. No, like the, sister, the older sister that no, he's always embarrassed. No, the sister is the girl shit. from, uh, or the lady from Yes, Dear. That fucking no, CBS right. show that I used to have to watch at the ambulance base all the time. You loved it. Is better than fucking everything or everything. Everybody loves Raymond. So I'll give it that. Is it better than the King of Queens? Yeah. Yeah, it probably is. Michael, it's got that, Michael Malley. That Michael Malley's funny as hell, dude. <laughs> You're right. I did love it. Wasn't uh, Jerry Stiller in that as well? King, King of Queens? That's King of Queens, yeah. Yeah. It's in Seinfeld, too. That's a show. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. We've been watching uh, some Seinfeld with dinner. That's a good dinner. Mm-hmm. We we have to we eat at the table now and talk. <laughs> wow, dude, what's going on over there? Uh, schedules are f- fucked things up. So 
I do that because I have children. I'm like, no, you can't watch your iPad while you're eating because you miss your mouth. <laughs> when you set at the table bones, do you, you've like got the TV over on the side of the table and you go like, ah, ah, ah. I wish. <laughs> now we can watch Jackie Gleason while we eat. <laughs> Tom, Cody, and McCoy, they start chatting. They're both in the army. McCoy says she's uh, needing a job. If she's got a engine, she can fix it. If she if she can drive it, she, you're, she's a lady. Pretty much, she can do anything that has to do with the car. She's a lady. <laughs> she's a soldier, Dan. Yep. Just looking for work. Just passing through. That when I first saw her, I was like, "That's a soldier." Mm-hmm. Yep. Tom Cody too. It was the leather baseball cap that tipped me off. She really looked See, I said umpire me. first, and then it wasn't until she spoke that I was like, ah, oh, no, umpire's wrong. She's a soldier. She really reminded me of the side character in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, like the comedy promoter lady. It's like, yeah, I can see that. The lady who voices Lois, Lois Griffin? Yeah. Yeah. McCoy asked uh, Tom Cody if he has a spare bed. Uh, Tom hints that maybe she wants to kind of get it on with him. Uh, But McCoy says, with a little hint, hint, Tom's not her type. What do you think she means by that, guys? She's a lesbian. Yeah, I got that, too. Doesn't she talk about, like, a husband later in the movie, though? She talks about somebody that broke her heart before she joined the military. But she's... She doesn't. She. I think she plays the pronoun game. Hmm. That's kind of what I got to. Yeah. Tom decides to let her crash at his sister's place without even fucking asking her. So they take off. Tom explains the sleeping arrangements. We got to McCoy and Tom at uh, his sister's place. Tom notices McCoy has a pistol. Uh, Tom then has a flashback of Ellen performing in black and white. Well, so. That's another part of the dialogue. Like the he sees that McCoy's got a gun and then just immediately jumps to don't ever fucking point that at me. I may not like it. Like there's a constant uh antagonism, which I don't know if it's a way of saying like, oh, these are soldiers and that aggression would be there. But there's just constant antagonism from Cody and McCoy. I think they were maybe buddy. What is it? This was after 48 hours. This was his movie after it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Honestly, guns are one of the most confusing things in this film. Like at very key scenes, only one person has a gun. And then later on in the movie, everybody has a gun. Mm -hmm. I think, I think I read at one point that, it, guns were supposed to be hard to come by, like in this world. I think they, that's what I thought. They make it out to be that because when the cops pull over Cody, which by the way, like they just fucking let him go. The chief is just like, whatever. And he tells Rosevich in the car, like, yeah, I busted him a few years ago. He had a gun. Like they make it seem like it's. 
a pretty big deal. So I agree with you. Like they make it seem because even later when Raven's like, yeah, you got a gun, big deal. I can get a gun. Lots of them. But yeah, but it, it's like, why doesn't Raven have a gun? He's yeah. obviously like king low life in this city. Hey, man. But talk about the bombers like that. They could have done something to make it seem like it is super, super rare. Yeah. You know, or like, hard to get. Yeah. Like well, she said, like we talked about this before. Like she could have said, like, yeah, it's the one thing I took from the army or, you know, something to say, like, it's a big deal. Not even our cops carry guns, something. So. Yeah. But then you, you get to the end of the movie and literally every townsperson. <laughs> I think it's has a, a firearm. I think it's, it's like, a thunder in paradise situation, Kron. Like it's we're like gonna say this, yeah. And nobody masturbates, cool. but everybody masturbates. Alex Dude, Borstein is that actress's name. It just hit me. The one from yeah. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Jesus. Did anybody finish the third season? I haven't um, watched a nope single episode of it. I oh, told you. you just watched the first. Episode oh yeah, first I know. My the wife first told me. Episode. My wife told me oh, about that, dude. You gotta watch, watch the very it. end. Oh, dude. Hey, she's in the new Walter Hill movie, Rachel Bovesman or whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. Three sixty, baby. Wasn't she in a Finchie? She was in. Um, was she, she in House in, of Cards? Uh, yeah, I think so. Was she the chick that the the aide was into? Call me Frank. Jesus. I love barbecue. Um, I don't, I can't remember what, how many fucking seasons of that show I watched. Maybe House two. Of cards? I think I yeah. made it two. Yeah. Kron? I don't, I made it uh, maybe one. Like, I don't know <laughs> if I ever even got through two. What's it's the, t- I don't want to say this. It's a boring show. The TV only thing sucks. I can remember is like one very key scene, but uh, I think that was like spoiling end of season the end of one. Season one, yeah, yeah. Kate Mara, yeah, but that's like the only thing I can even remember from that show. And the guy who has like the barbecue joint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're pretty spot on. And then doesn't his wife take over whenever he got in trouble? I yeah, I think at some they, point, yeah. All right, we're fucking, we're not it. Okay, yeah, we connected it. Oh, it's mighty good barbecue. All right, where the fuck are we in these notes? Yeah, Tom notices her pistol. Tom then has a flashback of her performing. And then he goes and rakes up. Uh, How do you know it's a flashback? Rava, because it's in black and white. There you go. Uh. To inform her that he's going to go save Ellen, and he wants to meet up with Billy Fish to talk some fucking business. That was quick. Just like that, huh? I might be hard on Tom Cody later, and I might be hard on the performance, but what I will say, as far as the character, I do think it is, to answer your point, like, well-rounded. I think it is very realistic, like, his back and forth. Like, his... uh, how emotionally reactive he is at times, I think is, is very human. I think it'd be very easy for him to just be like totally stone cold, but that's one thing I think the movie does well. I'm just saying you should have some better memories. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but they had all that footage of her performing. 
I mean, it's so much easier to slap a fucking black and white filter on it. And obviously, there was some romance going on. You don't want to remember that because I like to see that. You you can't pick what you remember, Dan. I mean, it's a you know, <laughs> that's an excellent point, Kron. Yeah. I'm trying to relate this to a movie that we've covered, but I can't think. Of I one. I remember <laughs> watching Ellen Ames perform, and we had all kinds rem- of times together. I remember Diane Lane and Unfaithful. Like that's that's all I could think about this whole movie. God damn. Uh, Sam said she's a beaut. I think she looks better as she got older. And I said I don't disagree with you. I think she's aged very well. But she's been on my fucking radar ever since The Outsiders, I think. So It's funny you bring up that movie. Always had a spot. It's funny you bring up that movie. Um, Not directed by Walter Hill. But this was an inspiration. Uh, The Outsiders was an inspiration for Streets of Fire. I love The Outsiders. One of the only this books and, I actually read in school and got this mad at kids and, uh, talking through the movie. Shut the fuck up. It's good. This and Rumblefish. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Mickey Rourke. I've never seen Rumblefish, but uh, I, I I don't like anything Mickey Rourke before he fucked his face up. <laughs> Rumblefish is pretty good. Uh, Outsiders, Rumblefish, both directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Dude, have you seen The Wrestler? You're going to go nuts. Oh, yeah. All right, we cut to the next morning. Tom hits up the local gun dealer for some protection. Like we said, talked earlier, it shouldn't be. He just said, hey, I need some guns. And the dude opened up like fucking yeah. trunk full of them. But he's so, Tom Cody. Yeah, but this is another That's thing. True. Like, if guns were really hard to get, that guy would have like two. But he has a trunk full. He has like mm-hmm. 40 guns. I mean. Or they would meet at night. Like. <laughs> He just, like, opens it up during the day. Like, yeah, dude, here you go. Okay, easy easy fix is this is the guy who's like, it's tough right now, man. You know you know they're, they're hard on shit, and he gives him a choice. He's like, I got a revolver, or I got this f- fucking incendiary round shotgun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, which one do you want? Do you have enough XP to get this guy? But, like. Have you collected enough tokens to this point in the movie to trade? Uh, Tom gets some guns. Uh, Reva and McCoy, they discuss Tom's love life as they're walking down to the diner. Tom loads up with some kick-ass guns here, uh, heads to the diner. As soon as Tom walks in, he starts chatting with Billy Fish about getting Ellen back. Tom Cody explains that he wants 10 grand, um, but he also needs someone who knows their way around the dumps, as he calls it. And he wants Billy Fish to help him out because I guess Billy used to run uh, shows down there. It's the Promote shits. shows. The shits. <laughs> to help him out, of course, Billy refuses this. And Billy finally agrees that Ellen is very important to him and pretty much she's a big money maker for him. 
So Cody and Fish, they head out to the car, but McCoy butts in. She wants in on the action. Cody agrees to cut her in, but he says, I'm the boss. Anything I say goes. Our three amigos head out into the to the dumps. Why do they all sit in the front seat together? <laughs> I think it's for comic. I don't know if it is I, for I, comic. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, all right. I was questioning whether or not there was a back seat, and then later in the movie, when two of them get in the back seat, I got mad again. It's but a huge back seat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those old 50s cars that's, mm-hmm. I don't know, like- That's where their gear was. That's where you make out. Mm-hmm. Tom oh, Cody's guns. They were saving those seats bag. for kissing later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, McCoy, you switch I, out with fish. I, I do think it would have been badass for Cody to ride in the back, though. You know, just kind of sitting in the middle, arms spread, kind of talking shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have made more logical sense for any one of them to it's, sit in the back. I'm sure it's all set up because it looks like they've got a two-camera rig on that car. And I'm mm-hmm. sure they were just letting them riff and they were cutting between those. So... Ah, they drive by. This also gets the cops, the two cops' attention as well. Fish explains that they're they would probably have Ellen at a club that's pretty shitty. He asks Cody how he's going to handle all these bikers because if he starts killing bombers, the bombers are the name of Raven's motorcycle group here. Uh, then they're going to start. Uh, that's a great biker gang name. The bombers. Yeah. All the extras here were actually biker gang members from two clubs, I believe. You know what's kind of weird is like- In LA. That Walter Hill didn't- I mean, I get that this world has like a very distinctive look to it, but he still didn't build it out that much. Like, I mean, the guy made the Warriors. He he knows how to be like, all right, these guys are baseball guys. These guys are- like, if you had had more than one gang, like, or even just a scene where Defoe is like, oh, you know, we got beef with, like, blah, 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 um, it would have just, like, added some kind of world I got the Roadmasters. Yeah, I guess, but. I think he even says they're that they're part of the bombers, though. From the bombers, though. I think the Roadmaster guy says, though, that they're part of the bombers. Yeah, they're like a subset. It just seems yeah. like, I don't know, he. He did so well with the Warriors. It's like, well, maybe he didn't want to turn it into the Warriors. Just mention that's, that's possible. Two more gang names, and <laughs> that's probably all you would have had to do. Dude, you're such a gang guy. Mm-hmm. I, I do think uh, a failure in that is that they they explain to you that it's hours away, like where they're going. Yeah, because that still, confused me at one point. It still looks like, like the same sort of place. So to Krod's point, like if they had gone through like a little village or something, you know, and there was another gang and you had that sort of uh, like orphans type scene from the Warriors mm-hmm. where they had to do something or. Orphans are a bop. Yeah. So I, I agree with you, Kron. It would have been nice to to build that out a little bit or. Cron, they were already over budget. They're not. 
they weren't just, getting it. It seems like any gang you need a you know a rival gang that's challenging your turf or I don't know mm-hmm. something. Yeah, but Tom Cody's cool because he didn't have to join a gang. Well, he doesn't have to, but he used I, to bop with Clyde. Yeah, I feel like Defoe should still be getting some pressure from like a an outside party. You know, mm-hmm. you think Clyde and Tom Cody were part of the Warriors, and that's where they ended up. No, this is a different time, different place. Um, yeah. yeah, or even when Raven calls in, like he could have called in a hell of a lot more backup at the end, kind of like in Stone Cold, where they fucking, like it would have been nice to have, you know, multiple biker games, but one that's like purple or some <laughs> shit. I don't know, you know? Yeah. Total gang guys here. Uh, check out the Warriors. It's a five-star banger. Where the purple rain. Coverage. <laughs> That'd be a great fucking biker name. Purple rain. R-E-I-G-N. Fuck, dude. We should start the purple. They'd kind of lock themselves into only Prince music, though. You could do I mean, worse. You could, you could definitely do worse. <laughs> you guys ever, like, have the motorcycle guy that plays like what they think they should be listening to because they're on a motorcycle and it's like no dude they're listening to like war lowrider uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> or like nickelback or some shit you're like mm-hmm. look at this photograph just this, fucking this crying in the word yeah i don't i feel like that's too new i feel like biker dude you should be listening to Stones or something. And I'm staring down the barrel of a water. Mm-hmm. Like, or um, is it cedar? No, no that's not I cedar. think that's shine, shine down. down. Are they listening to Bad Company, but not by Bad Company off of the album Bad Company? They're listening to Bad Company by Five Finger Death Punch. Oh, uh, yeah. Timothy McVeigh's favorite band. I'm just a singer in a rock and roll band. <laughs> yeah, but I always want to be like, do you want me to make you a playlist? I'm like, dude, it's super easy. You just black label society. That's that's all you have to do. Personally, you'll, I you'll think the fine. guys I think the guys on the motorcycles, like the road bikes, blasting their music it's so fucking idiotic. loud that it's over their fucking exhaust. It's as egregious as watching UFC on your phone on the shitter. Like, it's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like a real biker. You wouldn't have any way to play music anyway. They're all just they the bike. AirPods and like underneath their helmet and shit now anyway. So it's a, it's a new time, Karan. The day we started making these guys wear helmets, <laughs> we ruined it. Hey, our state's helmet. I'm just a singer and a rock and roll band. I'm not hearing that as much to my neighborhood. All they right. Should, if you st- they should actively be fighting the voices in their head rather than listening to any playlist. Mm-hmm. That comes with the territory. You should just be bombarded with the sound of your own exhaust. Mm-hmm. And that's only if the bitch fell off. If your lady's riding behind you. Oh, that's you know, such a- she's yelling in your ear that sure is so funny <laughs> that's why i brought it up 
What is it? Cash, grass, or ass? Nobody rides for free. Um, what, all right. What, what's better? The bitch fell off t-shirts or truck nuts? I think if, the, the bitch fell off. It's a little classier than truck nuts. I mean. It, if you're reading this, the bitch fell off. We're, we're, sh- sure, we're splitting yeah. hairs here, but I think it's a little cooler. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm going to send you guys some truck nuts, though. With some five-day rental logos. I, of dude, I got a beater F-150. I'll throw them on there. I don't give Grand? a shit. Yeah, my, my truck took hail damage, dude. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> Let's oh, go. Bummer. Throw those nuts on there, bummer. bro. <laughs> All right. Billy Fish, he explains uh, how Tom Cody's going to do this, because if he starts killing bombers, they're going to get killed. Motorcycles don't run so hot when you shoot holes in them. Our heroes finally arrive. Uh, the bombers sh- show up as well. We cut to the club where a live band is jamming here. Uh, we got a dancer here. She was also the body double for the girl in flash dance. So, oh. <laughs> which I read some things. This was that's going. Where I, that's where I recognized that ass from. <laughs> This was trying to go for a PG rating. And I was like, this girl totally shows she, her hoo-hahs. She whips some, some boobage out, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, 1984. That's right. Times were great back then. Mm-hmm. Fucking Temple of Doom. Having to ruin it. <laughs> Fuck you, Spielberg. It's probably the... Do you think that's the worst of the original three? I think I worst. Uh, well, I think I like the other two Indiana Jones movies better than Temple of Doom. Which one's Connery? Last Crusade, which is yeah, my okay. favorite. I think that's my favorite too. Yeah, Temple of Doom of the original three. Temple of Doom is my least uh, favorite. Yeah. I like Raiders. I think the most. I'd go. Ra- I've never Last Crusade and then Raiders. That's. I'm right there with you, Colonel. Yeah. Raiders, Last Crusade, Temple of Doom. And that's all I've seen. I haven't seen the other one. Is I it either? Is it? Uh, what's the the way of putting this? The new one's going to be better than Kingdom of Crystal Skull, right? Probably. I'm not going to watch it either way. So okay. yeah. You're not going. I didn't watch Crystal Skull. <laughs> well, Karan, I'm going to make it a two day rental. So guess what? <laughs> you. The new one or Crystal? You can't make Crystal the new one two-day Ma- rental at this point. The new one, so you have to watch Crystal well, Skull. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll figure out a way to pick. But shit, I would have to watch Crystal Skull. I, I am one of those hardcore film nerds that is jaded because I read that Frank Darabont script that you can find online. For whenever it was For supposed- Indy 4, and I was like, God damn, this would have been the fucking most awesome Indiana Jones movie. But- Should he just stop? They, Harrison Ford? They collectively yeah. should stop working yeah. on that project. <laughs> like, he's an act. Like, you can act in other shit, bro. Like, you don't have to. I feel like he's cranking it up compared to what he used to do. I feel like oh, he used yeah. to be a lot more selective. And in the last 10 years, he's like he's going to be in the MCU now. He's on oh, that wonderful. fucking Apple show. 
He did that movie with the dog. Raven arrives. <laughs> Looking like a member of Rammstein. It's, uh, he got, it's a great look, dude. He looks du, fucking great. He's memorable. Du awesome. Du I mean, it's just the com- the leather overalls. It's New album. Fucking awesome. It's pretty good. From Ramstein? Yeah. It, oh, I haven't listened to it. Awesome. It's pretty good. Right, I'll, I'll throw it on tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, he goes in, checks on oh, Ellen. She's tied to the bed. Let me know when you listen to that song. It's about big, big tits. It's fucking oh. great. <laughs> oh, you know I'm going to connect. <laughs> I'll send you the video at the break. Okay. That's one band that I'm like, I'm going. If they're ever they're, around. They're done. He's done. They'll come back. Nah. Don't they his do hearing, like a crazy ass show though? Yeah. I mean, his, his hearing is like fucked up. Because they choose to be so fucking loud. Listen to their goddamn right. music on their motorcycles and shit. <laughs> I got Springsteen on Saturday. I don't, I probably don't need what hearing protection. Yeah, I'm going to see Springsteen on Saturday. How the fuck did you get tickets to the... Oh, shit. Uh, Penny Smasher? It's a bunch of bullshit. Cron, who is this fucking dude? Who, the Penny Smasher? Or... Getting to see, yeah. Uh, I think it's like a... Hooking this piece of shit up with boss tickets. Damn. You can't just get those willy-nilly anymore. <laughs> I don't know what he had to do for him, but he got him. You know what I did? I framed what? my brother for murder for fucking boss tickets. I oh, knew it. I fucking knew it, dude. I knew it. <laughs> that, that, dummy was, that dummy was a plant. That Pinocchio was a plant. <laughs> Raven tells Ellen that she's making it hard on her on herself. She just needs to fall in love with him for a few weeks, and he would let her go. Reasonable compromise, huh? Uh, maybe an eighty-four. Nah, it's fucked up. Not to not today's standards. Uh, Cody's crew heads to the club through the. Is this alleys? It seems like they went on like a fucking rooftop or some shit. Through the condensation plant. I don't know. Uh, it's this generic Ace Chemical building. Yeah. I think it was a real plant that they filmed, and this is one of the location shots, I think, from what I read. Uh, like they the go through these alleys. Climax factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cody gets his shotgun ready. Fish leads the way. Uh, they're spooked by the vagrant. A bum. Ed Bagley Jr., man. Yeah. Second time on the podcast. Another third appearance here. Third? Uh, third i mean another solid character actor who elevates the like three minutes he's on screen oh he's got some tall ass hair bro (laughs) it's like god damn i forgot about a big one 
Oh, that he's in? Yeah. You guys won't remember it, but... I know he's in three of them that we've covered. Streets of Fire. Cat People. Cat People, that's right. That was the one I forgot. Lawyer in Last Seduction. Is that it, Bagley Jr.? No, that is... um, Oh, I'll look that up. No, he's in. Uh, he's Stickly in Batman Forever. That's right. What the <laughs> hell is going on here? <laughs> All right, Ed here. He gives up uh, information on Ellen that she's being held on the second floor of Torchies. That's the bar here where the bombers are hanging out. And of course, uh, that's just a good deed here. Tom Cody says, "Pay the guy to Billy Fish." So yeah. Go buy some deodorant. JT Walsh was the lawyer in last seduction. That's right. right. Cody's crew, they continue on to Torchies. Cody tells Fish to go down uh, and pretty much be a driver for him whenever they rescue her to be there. I think he tells him like 15 minutes or some shit. Uh, he sends McCoy down as well to check out the club. She climbs down, heads to the club. Cody takes the high ground and finds a good spot here on the roof. I feel like McCoy, this lady does 90% of the mission by yep. herself. I was just going to say, he's <laughs> way more danger than he is. He, he highly doubts her ability. He even says, like, if you help me out, great. If not, stay the fuck out of my way. And like you said. Yeah, she does like up. all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, she enters the club here to scope it out. Cody hits the roof again. Are you still searching for a spot on the roof? McCoy uh, gets Awkwardly hit on. laying on a bunch of pipes and shit. Like, that's not a good sniper stance, bro. Well, yeah. And then that fucking whistle goes off, too. It's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> what the fuck? He would go deaf. I feel like that, that thing has to be so loud. I had to turn it down on my TV, man. Watch the Blu-ray from Shout Factory. Well, your wife went to bed five minutes before this. So. <laughs> I went downstairs. I tucked her in. Uh, McCoy gets hit on by one of the bombers. He's like, let's head upstairs to the party room. When that steam whistle went off, they should have cut to all the Flintstones guys leaving work for the day. <laughs> Sliding down the back of a brontosaurus. Mm-hmm. You guys are showing your age. Everybody knows fucking Flintstones, dude. They're back. Bigger than ever. Yeah, Viva Rock Vegas, Dan. <laughs> Never watched that one. I watched the original. I'll bring it for sequels, though. Kron's like, oh, shit. I'm going to write that one down. Uh, this bomber tries to get fresh with McCoy. Uh, she puts a quick end to that. Pretty much just kick, knocks his ass out. Cody finally finds a decent spot on the roof. Uh, we cut to McCoy breaking in to... Uh, to Raven's, I guess they're playing a poker game and his goons that are going on. She holds them at gunpoint. Cody sees Ellen from the roof. Uh, she's just hanging out, tied to a now, bed. Now, again, this motorcycle biker thug guy, like as soon as she holds the gun up, he's like, oh, please just take all the money. <laughs> like, fucking losers in this game, dude. I think that was supposed to be the gun thing. Like, 
Yeah, I Guns guess. Guns are supposed to be hard to find. There are 80 of you in this club. <laughs> There's one woman with a gun. Well, they don't know how many bullets she has. <laughs> That's true. They don't know. Nobody has guns. Are Are we getting into this club? I don't know if I want to go. I think we could get in. I like the entertainment. I think the band puts on a good show, and I like the dancer, but I don't know about the crowd. You got to think about the crowd. <laughs> That's true. What's the vibe? Is it violent? Is it coke heavy? I don't. I don't think. I think it'd be too noisy for me. I like the inside. I don't like going outside to have a smoke and listening to all that fucking racket with those motorcycles. Yeah. All right, Cody sees Ellen through a window here, and he starts shooting at these motorcycles from the roof, causing many explosions. Cody takes out a few of the bombers. McCoy starts firing uh, up there in Raven's room at his goons. Cody makes his way into the club pretty quickly here, and he finds Ellen very quickly and unties her. It took him less time to cross the street, get into the club, than it did for him to find a good vantage point while he was on the roof yeah uh, he pulls out the butterfly knife and Maybe quickly unties her that would have been sweet scene. a fucking sweet highlander zipline fuck yeah check out our episode on highlander it's wonderful I'm sorry <laughs> McCoy takes off and meets Cody uh, they run through the club together with Ellen. Fish pulls up in the car outside. McCoy takes Fish and Ellen to safety, but Cody decides to stay behind and fight more of the bombers. Uh, he busts open the uh, fuel tanks there Stupid. outside of the club. Stupid move. <laughs> yeah. Shoots them and blows up torches. He hops on uh, one of the bikes, one of the lone bikes that remain but gets interrupted by Raven. Uh, he comes through the flames. Looks pretty fucking sweet. Looks like I've ran into someone who likes to play as rough as I do. What's your name? The name's Tom Cody. Uh, Raven says, I'll be coming for her, you know, and I'll be coming for you as well. See, if it, um, were, if it were me, I'd give one of your names. <laughs> Rather than my own. <laughs> I was just gonna add, getting ready to ask you, Kron, like, what would you say? Because I thought you were going <laughs> to say, like, my name's Fuck You or something. Like, no, I'd give one, of, give one of your names and addresses to this guy. <laughs> Laundry Dan. That's Bye. right. Laundry Dan. Uh, Tom Cody, he takes off on the bike. Uh, Raven walks back in through the flames. Uh, he rides back. Tom Cody rides back to meet McCoy. Uh, this looks pretty uh, pretty great here, him riding back. Very blue, very Michael Mann. Mm-hmm. If it's blue, it's yeah. Michael Mann. Yeah. Michael Mann might disagree, but okay. Okay. And uh, we're going to take a pee break, guys. Welcome back, everybody, to Five Day Rentals. Um, if you're just joining us, I don't know why. Go back to the fucking beginning. 
but we're in the middle of streets of fire right now. Uh, we got Tom Cody, a fucking certified badass. Um, we got Ellen Ames, uh, very talented beauty. Um, and we got a kick-ass sidekick, uh, McCoy. Uh, and a badass villain, Raven, Mr. Willem Dafoe here. Uh, just wearing leather all the time, which seems hot. Leather waiters. Duh. Yeah. There's no way you're getting breathability in those things, right? I mean. Yeah, it's about the look. I mean, if he's not but, wearing a jacket. Fucking swamp crotch. Every dude. time he sits down, I mean, it blows a blast of ass air like <laughs> right in your face. I don't know about that. You think that was a complaint? <laughs> oh, man. How, how many scenes have we got to film with this? I bet Walter Hill, though, was like, we'll be done tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's three hours. You can do it. All right. We cut to McCoy and Fish and Ellen. They're while waiting on Cody. He finally arrives. McCoy explains to Fish that Ellen and Tom used to do it together. Wait, uh, what? What do you mean? Yeah, they used to be an item. Well, like business partners? What does or? That mean? Yeah. No, like bumping uglies. Like penis and vagina? Um, I mean, I'm not sure what both of them have, but they were putting their sexual parts what together. What a crude thing to say. I bet those are pretty, so they're pretty. <laughs> you know they're bumping pretty. Bumping up. I mean, they're both pretty ugly guys. Speak for yourself, Jesus. Jesus. Let's see him. I look like a fucking statue of David, dude. Jeez. Carve me out of marble. If you think they're ugly, what do you think about me? Honest opinion. Whose dream was it to be sculpted in marble? Was, was that Thunder in Paradise? Oh, that lady Kelly, Kelly wants to yeah, be a sculptor. The bartender, yeah. <laughs> so far, we've only seen her sculpt in one episode. That's forgotten already. <laughs> That'll never come back. Oh, I'll think of it. You know who else was forgotten in that show? <laughs> Don't get them started. Written off, rather. Megan. Oh, fucking. She should have been sculpted out of marble, dude. I don't know, man. <laughs> she is behind you because you've been working on that for months. <laughs> She's my muse, dude. What can I say? <laughs> All right. Yeah, she explains that they used to date Tom and Ellen. Uh, they all take off. Fish thinks they're home free, but Cody explains, no, nah, we got to bury the car, man. Like, we're on the run right now. Uh, they get to the hideout. Ellen takes Tom to the side to have a chat with him. She wants to know why he saved her. She's oh. pretty much. When they say gone. bury the car, they just mean ditch it, right? Because that car like comes back later mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. McCoy has it. They set this place up like uh, if you were to leave a car anywhere, it would easily be stolen or fucked up. And then McCoy finds it a week later, and it's totally fine. Seems, seems odd. 
or maybe they were just doing this so fish wouldn't take it. Maybe I don't know. Or maybe they did it because they knew they were at the end. What was going to happen? So they're like, yeah. All right. He says that he did it for the money and nothing more. Well, this pisses Ellen off because she thinks it's for love, but it's for money, baby. You guys taking Ellen or are you taking the cash? Why not both? No. Yeah, I got a play that can get them both, Dan. <laughs> Damn it. McCoy and Fish, they have a conversation about Ellen and Cody. This is what you say. You say, I can't just come to Fish and say I'm going to do this to win you back. Right? Like, yeah. that's fucking fishy. He's never going to go for it. If I tell him that I don't know who the fuck you are and I charge 10 10,000, I can pay back the gun, I can pay for some help, and now you and I have nine grand to start our lives with. Idiot. Now flash back with me. I think McCoy got shafted in this deal. Yeah, like Kron said, she did 90% of the work. Yeah, she only paid a thousand bucks. Well, she, she didn't have to do all the hardcore calculation that a one Tom Cody had to do. Yeah, when you think about the work to reward ratio, it, what is she a dental hygienist? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no offense to all the dental hygienists. Out no, there. no, I'm, that, I'm saying they do all the work. Oh yeah, Dennis sure. comes in, tells me to bite down, tells me to leave. <laughs> He's there for a minute. <laughs> he gets ninety five percent of the money. Everything feel all right? Yeah. Okay. And the dentist would tell you, yeah, but when something goes fucking wrong, who's liable? Right? I guess that's the trade-off. I don't know when if you it's come, a 90-10 split, but... When you come in here crying, Karan, who are you crying to? The hygienist or me? Huh? The dentist. Why is my shirt I'll, unbuttoned? <laughs> I don't want the gas. I'll cry in some hygienist boobies. They're right there. It's very comforting. They all meet up, and it's clear Ellen- I don't Ellen, think I could have a male hygienist at this oh, point. That might no, sound dude. super yeah, sexist, I but I, there's, it's established that it's like it's very uh, um, not matronly. What's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, comforting. Manly. No, it's like- the Opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. Alpha. No, it's like a massage. Like I, I don't know if I could get a massage from a, a male- Oh, dude, let Kron give you a foot massage to change your life. That's exactly why. No, I will not do it. I'll get thrown off a balcony, dude. <laughs> How's your back? Good that pull, joke. Dan. Good pull, yeah. Dan. Good pull. Yeah, you got that? So, so good, I didn't catch it and I, I, <laughs> decided I not to respond. Five Day Rentals is my favorite podcast, okay? <laughs> Uh, they all meet up. It's clear Ellen is with Fish, and she makes this apparent to make Cody jealous. Uh, and Cody doesn't want anything to do with her, really. Or so it seems. Uh, we cut to a music video of Ellen doing her thing with uh, the crew walking around through the streets. Uh, um, it looks like a music video this as they walk through the streets. Well, oh, cut. Sorry, is this the part where it's like the song starts and it's like ticking almost and the like the shots cut into it? I thought this I think, was the coolest part of the movie, to be honest. I think, 
I think this song's called Sorcerer. But it's just the way they, it, it's very much like a music video, how it like yeah. mm-hmm. cuts to black, cuts to like, you know, just two seconds of like what's happening on the street. It looks awesome. Yeah, we haven't really talked about that weird wipe. It's kind of comic that they have. Yeah. yeah. But, and this is like the zoot suit Mardi Gras in a way, like... You get yeah, some you get some deviation in the costumes and, and the neighborhood here, I think, to make it seem a little different. Seems like it's a inner city neighborhood they're going through. See, this makes it look like the, this is why I got confused. Cause I'm like, it didn't take them this long to fucking get to where they needed to go. And I was like, what the? F-? And I was like, oh, okay. You need that little Indiana Jones map. Here we go again. <laughs> Uh, we got a girl. She recognizes Ellen on the streets and wants to tag along. She also spills some uh, information that the cops are looking for the people that hit the battery. And we see some cops go by. Cody says they need a new set of wheels. So they decide to hijack a school bus. And the driver agrees after seeing his gun. Uh, we meet the band on the bus. The so reels. It's EG so Daily, reels. by the way. Uh, yeah, a lot of these dudes are in the Warriors mm-hmm. and multiple films. Well, she's, uh, I think he was in Forty Eight Hours too. Uh, well, the the lady that comes up to them, the fan, EG Daily. Like I would know her. She's Dottie from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I think there's also a guy in. Um, Defoe's gang that he's in Clue the movie he's like Mr. Body yep Mm -hmm. he's like the only other person in the crew that kind of he's like his right hand man or something Mm -hmm. he's the one that threatens uh, McCoy at the card game yep yep good that's a good pull because I was wondering where I knew him from and that's exactly it that's Clue's good shit that's that's the best pull of the night there Kron Good job. Kron, best pull of the night so far. Keep keep pulling me, Kron. Keep pulling. <laughs> keep, keep keep beach tugging uh, me, bro. I'm, yeah, I'm tugging. Me a beach tug. I'm tugging. Hell yeah, dude. McCoy says Look that they that fancy won't hurt ass them. anthropology cup he's sipping out of. What the fuck is that? It's just hey, a you guys green are in both glass. <laughs> no, I don't even want to hear that it from you two Brewster's Millions drinking barrel fucking up here. wine oh, on shit. this podcast. Uh, I switched over to bourbon at the break, so. Oh, thank God. But I, I did have a wine. I can't drink wine anymore? Wine bones is so lame, dude. No, wine's, I had wine on the first half. Somebody, wine's good. Somebody's training right now, okay? Yeah, now you got Kinda. best pool since you switched to bourbon. It's true. What are you training for? So, are you saying that you were? uh, Yeah. Sweet. Once he fucking signs the deal, he wants a 90 10 split. Fuck that. He is the bigger draw to be (laughs) for certain. To be honest. (laughs) What were you saying, Bats? No, no, I was going to say, like, so Kron switches to bourbon and gets best pull. Are you saying that you had. Like you were better in the first half because you were drinking beer and not wine. Who me? You think wine makes me a a, a lesser podcaster? 
It doesn't matter what I drink. If I'm hosting, I'm going to be terrible. That's the burden of hosting. Yeah. yeah. I get to cruise for maybe three weeks. I don't know what our, our schedule is after. After we close out direction erection. All right. McCoy says they won't hurt them. Uh, they know who Ellen is and they want to open for her. Uh, the So Reels explain that they are so on the real. best. <laughs> All right, the, the best route to avoid cops. All right, Kron, do you recognize any of these band members? I don't think I did. Okay, Dan. I know one of them was in Forty Eight Hours. I think he's like the main, like cop in charge of Nick Nolte in 48 hours. And he's like the older one. I think. I think. I don't know. Am I right or wrong? I'm wrong. Yeah. I I feel like one of them was Bubba from Forrest Gump. I'd have to look at their IMDb here. And one of them is one of the Johnsons from Die Hard. Yeah, these guys, just like Saigon, hey, slick. They all have multiple Walter Hill credits, I believe. Walter Hill likes to bring back his guys. Uh, Quick cut to the bus getting a flat tire, and they're trying to fix it. The whole gang is just kind of waiting around and chatting. Fish explains to Cody that he better get out of the picture because he's with Ellen now. And Cody says he could kick his sh- the shit out of him. Like, get the fuck away from me. Would you guys be scared of Rick Moral ass? No. Didn't he, like, take a punch like a champ not too long ago? <laughs> I don't I don't think he took it like a champ. <laughs> I think he went to the hospital. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. So, Grand L. Bush is one of the band members there. He's the little Johnson in Die Hard. He also plays Balrog in Street Fighter the movie. Oh, shit. Maybe I should beat up uh, Rick Moranis first. Like, and maybe that'll work my way up for my title shot against hey, Liam Neeson. Somebody was trying to go that route. <laughs> yeah, maybe they had the same idea I did. Just waiting for their fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut to the bus is finally moving. Do you think uh, Rick Moran- Rick Morales asked that guy uh, if he was really tough or just pretending to be tough? <laughs> oh, he showed him. Have we ruled out that it's not Michael Paré? <laughs> That's a good point. Suspect number That's- one, dude. <laughs> I know where I would be going if I was that detective on that job. This wasn't a juicy smoothie thing, right? Where Rick Morales faked getting punched to get some get some press <laughs> I I want to do Honey I Shrunk the Kids 5 I just watched a Kirk Cameron movie why uh, oh, because it was part of a fun watch along thing and uh, Juicy Smoulier is like a 10 year old in the movie and he's fantastic <laughs> it's such a bummer 
I forget the name of this thing. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm sidetracking this ep- uh, episode to talk about this thing. The premise of this is Kirk Cameron plays a orphan, right? Who's adopted by this like farm farmer. And he's very close with Cloris Leachman, who is the proprietor of an orphanage in the village. And Kirk Cameron's like family, like the, his adopted parents both die and he's left with his mentally challenged adopted sister. And his dream is to also have a family and they're pig farmers. So he kidnaps Juicy Smoulier from the other orphanage because he knows that the other orphanage is being shut down and he convinces the kid that he's an angel and the kid is dead and in heaven and Kirk Cameron's responsible for like guiding him through heaven and it's fucking bonkers man uh Juicy Smoulier is like well how did you die and Cameron's like I was in a bank robbery that went south like I and I got shot in the face so for like half of the movie he's pretending that he's an angel and has having to like explain all this shit to Juicy Smoulier and then at the end Juicy Smoulier is like I knew you weren't an angel the whole time I just liked having a new family it's fucking weird perfect 360 (laughs) yeah this is what you're doing on the weekdays? I got other friends, man. I'm doing stuff. Are you familiar with Everything is Terrible? It sounds yes. terrible. Yeah, that's that's what it was. It was an Everything is Terrible watch along. So they had some, they had like an awesome uh, Christian rap pre show. <laughs> and then we watched this movie. Sounds terrible. It was great. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was fantastic. We cut to the bus moving, and the Surreal's showing off their talents here. The bus rolls up on a ton of cops. Cody's plan is to save fish is managing the Surreal's. Uh, they pull. Is it the Shirelles? Is it Shirelles or Shirelles? I thought he said Reels. Shirelles. S O R E L S. Hmm. Surreal's. So Reels. That's what I took it as. Like, so real. I don't know. <laughs> McCoy explains. The cops talk to McCoy. She opens the, up the bus because she's driving it. She explains the story to uh, to the cops, but then Fitch jumps in and pays the cops pretty quickly. But then the cops turn around and was like, "Yo, you were you were way too fast in paying us. Like, there's something going on here." Uh, Tom Cody jumps up with his shotgun and uh, tells the cops how it's gonna go. Uh, they walk off the bus, Cody and McCoy, and uh, they take control of the cop situation here. They start to blow the fuck out of their cars. And, yeah, my- uh, McCoy threatens to shoot him in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> Got to this scene, and I am I watching the end of American Psycho here? I mean, <laughs> the way those cop cars are going up. Check out Bones' episode on the best little horror house of American Psycho. Nah. Yours is the new hotness now, Dan. That's Zodiac, yep. Yeah. People love it. Oh, people are loving it. <laughs> He's done with us now. <sighs> mm-hmm. he, he worked yeah, his guess. way through us all. They blow yeah, up little, these cars. A little peek behind the curtain. Dan had the 
Best Little Horror House Zodiac episode and then told us before we hit record that he had some business he needed to talk about. We talked about this, this business. episode started with a little bit of a panic there, listener. So if we've been off, it's... Uh, I can't get over this fucking cup that Kron keeps drinking out of. Kron, send him one of these. It's green, almost, it's green it almost, glass, dude. Yeah, I know. But it looks real fancy. It almost looks like something you'd have on your uh, vanity to put your toothbrush in. Or your pubes. Mm-hmm. You That's know a little one's collecting strange wool. Those are all in little silver <laughs> pill boxes, Dan. Oh, that's right. From Kay's jewelry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody explains they have to dump the bus as well. This guy just loves getting rid of vehicles, man. <laughs> they ask a lot of questions when you buy those boxes in bulk, by the way. <laughs> You can find them on Amazon. I need 30 pube, I mean, silver boxes. <laughs> Real small. I meant to say pewter. I almost said pewter. <laughs> can you check on your pewter to see if you have it stuck? <laughs> uh, the cops call in what happens, and they want to set up roadblocks. Cody's crew, they get off the bus and avoid some cops and make it to the train. Did you guys recognize one of those cops? <laughs> no. He's Rebel a cop. He's a carpenter guy. A lot of carpenter movies. He's in uh, Prince of Darkness. Uh, he's the preacher or the dude in They Live. That's like the head of the their little resistance. Last one, I swear. Last one. <laughs> We got more people coming. You never know. Uh, McCoy tells Ellen to ease up on Cody because he was there for her. Ellen tries uh, or tried to make Cody jealous by kissing all over fish here, but I don't think it works. Uh, We cut to that morning and the gang is finally back in town and everyone is freaking out. The cops question Ellen. Fish says uh, they need to leave, and Ellen agrees. Ellen tells Cody she hates that he took the money to save her, and she walks out. Hey, people got to eat, Ellen. I mean, everybody's- yeah, 10K, baby. Born with a silver pew box in their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> they could be. A lone bomber, he shows up. Be the change you want to see, Kron. <laughs> and he tells the cops that Raven wants to talk to them about Tom Cody. Uh, We cut to Raven telling the cops that he's coming to get Tom Cody and that he's only going to bring two men with him. And after he takes him out, there will be peace. Uh, We cut to the diner. McCoy leaves for a drink. She's kind of pissed that she hasn't got paid yet, I think. Uh, Cody says he will get her money. I I think she's mostly pissed that she hasn't gotten a good job or a thank you from Cody. (laughs) It seems it's to be the, she just, she just needs a little bit of, you know, appreciation. That's all. Well, yeah. and the money would be all right, too. Well, the money would be all right, too, but. Yeah, she did all the work. Yeah. <laughs> she dental hygiene did here. I think you goes a long way, guys. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm thanks. Still, I'm still waiting on mine. <laughs> thanks for being on this podcast with me tonight. Got it, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCoy calls here's him a your jerk. Cut of the Applebee's money. 
Oh, shit. It's only like six bucks. Well, yeah, but it's in free app coupons. <laughs> and it's only $6 off. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. McCoy calls uh, Tom Cody a jerk and he le- she leaves. Uh, Tom's clearly in his feelings about Ellen here. Uh, Reva, she starts laying into him for this. But they're interrupted by the cops. Uh, our main cop here, he tells Tom Cody about uh, Raven wanting to fight him. And he orders Tom Cody to leave town. And if Raven shows up, he, he will arrest him on the spot. He shows up to the diner. It's pouring rain outside. He says, I want to talk to you. Let's go outside in the rain. Like, I guess it's more. everybody in the diner to hear. I guess it's more cinematic. I don't know. Clear the fucking diner out. You're the chief of police. Uh, Tom Cody, he heads over to Fish's place. Yeah, borrow a gun and start waving it around so you can mm-hmm. clear, clear the out. diner out. Plus, there's no fucking window. People can hear anyway. <laughs> yeah, somebody if you're having to scream over the rain, your voice is carrying inside. Uh, Fish pays Cody the money here. Tom Cody tells Ellen that... Uh, Neatly stacked in the little hotel drawer. Tom Cody tells Ellen that she's not worth it anymore. Was it uh, like real money or was this like a fake type of... It looked fake. Was it like a made up currency? It didn't look like... It's it's the same money they have in the Greasy Strangler. Okay. The cardboard (laughs) fucking cutouts. Check out our episode on the Greasy Strangler. Uh... Cody Damn. takes or don't got, whatever yeah, they got, what they gotta listen to Zodiac. What else have we referenced? Thunder in Paradise, po- Pinocchio's Revenge. God damn, it's fucking podcast like the MCU, man. Like if you miss one, you're fucked. We're all over the place, man. <laughs> Everyone's missed one on this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so sad. Uh, Cody takes the grand that he promised McCoy and he fucking throws down the rest of the money. God damn it. This turns Ellen on. Ellen chases after Tom. Ask him uh, what was she supposed to do? The kiss in the rain. Uh, we cut to them in bed uh, after going to pound town. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Isn't there a song called Kiss the Rain? Kiss the Rain. There's a song called uh, Purple Rain. <laughs> oh, yeah. Named after the Purple Rain Gang? Mm-hmm. They're badasses. Uh, we cut to Cody meeting McCoy at the bar. Mr. Bill Paxton shows up again. Oh, yeah. Billy Myers. Same chick who sang, uh, uh, if I lay me down to sleep, right? Never mind. I don't know. Yeah, sure. No, that's a different. that's a different lady. Shit. Without my wine, I'm all over the place. <laughs> Tom pays McCoy. They make up. No, that's McCoy. Sophie B. Hawkins. What an idiot. McCoy and Cody walk home, chat about Ellen. At least it wasn't new metal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're branching out. We're branching out. <laughs> Sophie B. Hawkins did Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover. How did that go? Damn. 
I wish I was your lover. Damn, I want to be a gangster. <laughs> I don't think I ever heard it. Then, as I lay, lay me down, down to, to sleep, sleep, and I, I know that you were always yeah. there. All right. Cody, Cody and McCoy, they walk uh, home and chat about Ellen. Uh, he tells McCoy he's going to need her help tonight. We got to Tom and Ellen and McCoy on the train. Uh, guys, he just knocks Ellen out <laughs> yeah, and tells McCoy to get her to a safe place. I think maybe he's trying to protect her, <laughs> I guess. This was a... No. This is sure a long time coming, Dan. This is Walter Hill being like, people think I'm too misogynistic, so I'm going to make a female forward movie. <laughs> but he just tries, he might, he just couldn't. He just couldn't get through a whole film without decking a woman. I mean. Yeah, that's how that went. And uh, Tom Cody can't make it back to Richmond because the bombers have made a fire on the track. That's very oddly familiar from another film. Yeah, there's also a scene where they all have to, like, run to catch the train. Yeah. And who who is the train operator? <laughs> Remember uh, ten minutes ago when you said this is the last one? Damn I don't it. know. <laughs> yeah, who is it? Shit. Was is it's the voice she... from the Warriors? Oh yeah, shit. That is her. Yeah, she from uh, Carmen San Diego. Good pull, Bones. Hey, boppers. <laughs> yep. Last. Hey, one. are you boppers? The baseball uh, furies we... dropped the ball. We got the Raven. He's showing up for the fight with Tom Cody. Cops show up to stop him because they because Cody's not there. Uh, Raven blows his air horn, and now comes a shitload of uh, bombers. He lied. Uh, Fish runs out and tells the bombers to get the hell out of town. He gets punched in the face like he did last year. <laughs> All of a sudden, Tom Cody uh, he comes uh, screeching up in his car. <laughs> Need to fix their brakes on that motherfucker. Sorry, I'm late. Uh, the cop tells Cody, "Good luck." Earlier in the movie, when he pulls up in front of the diner, I think Michael Paré missed his mark. I think he was supposed to stop at one point, and the car actually goes like an extra two feet. And I think in just the fucking Walter Hill way, they were like, "Eh, it's fine." You, you did it. The, the yeah, the like where the camera sits, he stops and then he goes another like jerks forward. Uh, Raven pulls Rick, out that some Rick Moral ass fucking comment. Just got under his skin, man. <laughs> got how to drive this fucking guy. Three weeks in, uh, Raven pulls out some railroad hammers. Uh, and they start to fight with them. Why would you bring uh, one for your enemy? <laughs> even fight, bro. Yeah. All right. Hey, you some- guys remember in the beginning of the movie when Clyde the bartender says, hey, how's your hammer hanging? Yeah. And now they fight with the hammers. 
That's pretty sweet. 360, baby. You guys better believe the next time we all meet up, uh, I'm only bringing one railroad hammer. Quite honestly, I always have mine. based on this fight, I think I would rather like not have the hammer. I think I'd rather just dodge their swings and get in close and take away their hammer. It's, I don't know. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't play for me. Uh, they go back and forth for a while with these hammers. Cody finally overpowers Raven and knocks his hammer out. They could have used these hammers in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Fixing the tracks, you know what I mean? Like, shit. <laughs> he got it in, folks. Um, he knocks out the hammer out from Raven, uh, but Cody throws his down and he's like, yo, dude, we're going straight fist to cuffs, bro. So they start to fuck each other up pretty good. Just, uh, bare, bare knuckling it over there. Uh, but Tom outlasts Raven and beats his ass. Uh, I guess the bombers call this even cause they're. Their mastermind there got his ass beat, well, and they load and, up Raven. And every town person uh, pulls a gun on them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. They load him up on the motorcycle, and they take off. How uh, embarrassing would it be if your motorcycle didn't start here? <laughs> like, you're the one bomber, like, still cranking on it and shit, and everybody's left? That just got a new carburetor. That'd be scary. All these greasers got you at gunpoint? Uh, we cut to the Surreals. They're performing at Ellen's show. You have to hop off and just walk it down the street. <laughs> uh, Fish says that they are going to be rich. Tom Cody's back there with him as well. Fish says he's not going to stand in his way. Cody says he's called it off with uh, Ellen. She's better off with him. Uh, Tom then meets up with Ellen. She knows he's cutting out as well. She asks if that's uh, all he's going to say. He says, I'm not the kind of guy to just carry around your guitars. Uh, Tom Cody gives her a little smooch. Makes his exit through the crowd there. Ellen takes the stage, gives a performance of a lifetime. Along with the surreals, they join in as well. Emotionally charged. It's like you've you've seen this story for like an hour and a half. Now you're listening to the song. And it's like all laid out there. It's is it a good song? Yeah, it's not yeah, as I good as the opener. Good but. Yeah, I don't think it's as good as the opener. Uh, Tom watches some of this and then takes off to the streets. Some of it, McCoy he watches pulls up. the entire concert from the open no, doorway. I don't think he watches all of it. They're still singing when he turns his back. Uh, McCoy picks him up in the car from the beginning and says she doesn't mind if he tags along and they drive off. End credits. Streets of Fire, 1984, gentlemen. Streets of Fire was released June 1st, 1984 with a budget of $14.5 million and pulled in a box office of Eight point one million. So, like many of the films we cover here on Five Day Rentals, it was a bomb. Bummer. Uh, concept came together while filming Forty Eight Hours with Lawrence Gordon and Joel Silver. They were both producers. According to Mister Hill, he wanted to make the perfect movie from whenever he was a teenager. Uh, 
He wanted to put all the things that he thought were cool at that time. Custom cars, kissing in the rain, neon, trains at night, high-speed pursuits, rumbles, rock stars, motorcycles, jocks in tough situations, leather jackets, and questions of honor. Uh, Hill is influenced by John Hughes movies, as well as what we discussed earlier, Copa's Rumblefish and the Outsiders. Uh, the title is a Bruce Springsteen song. They did try to get permission Wait, from Mr. Springsteen. <laughs> yes, oh, it's true. Shit. You're back. Just to say that, I got to get out of here. I, <laughs> I admitted to murder. <laughs> sure, we won't run that. Yeah, there's a, a whole town of gun-wielding maniacs looking for you. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, Streets of Fire is a Springsteen song off Darkness on the Edge of Town. This is the inspiration for the title of the movie. They did try to get the rights to the movie. They were going to use it in the end credits. But once Springsteen learned that they were going to re-record, he said, no, it has to be me. So he said uh, he's pulling it then, so they didn't use it. That's when they called in Jim Steinman. He was hired to write all the songs who we referenced earlier for Bad Out of Hell and Meatloaf fame. And um, Jimmy Iovine, is that how you say his name? Yeah. He, very big producer there, very famous rich guy. Um, Yeah, he went to a screening with, Joel Silver and he was like this shit's terrible he and he like walked out and but Joel Silver was the pusher for this uh Paramount 48 hours did really well so this is the only reason Streets of Fire got made with Walter Hill they're like yeah man pretty much you can do it and that's why he got 14.5 it went over budget cuz like I said he didn't want to film in Chicago he built Chicago in LA so of course, it went over budget. Um, 2008, there is a movie called Road to Hell, which is an unofficial sequel to Streets of Fire. And it's directed by a five-day Reynolds favorite, Mr. Albert Bayoun. Oh, shit. It does feature Michael... What What are we saying now? Pena? Pare. Penea. Paray, mm-hmm. as well as well as uh, uh, Reva there as uh, Reva as her sister or his sister. So she's and, the only returning. Yeah, those well, are the and, only two. And Paray, Paray plays uh, Tom Cody as well. Oh, Unofficial. Okay. And gentlemen, that's that's all I got for Streets of Fire from 1984. Our first direction erection directed by Walter Hill. Final thoughts. Anything? This was a, this was a Walter Hill movie <laughs> featuring uh, custom cars, questions of honor, kissing in the rain, people with names hard to fucking pronounce. That's every week. Couldn't Willem have, Dafoe and Leather Waiters. Couldn't have said it better myself, Bones. <laughs> Dan, crack it open. Yeah, I think it's time to play another place's favorite game. <laughs> Is it time? 
to play Michigan's favorite game. We see you up there. Who's ever downloading all our fucking episodes? Thank you. Um, rate my letter boxed. Rate my box. At the time of our review, gentlemen, for Streets of Fire from 1984, directed by Mr. Walter Hill, the letterboxed user rating is sitting at a 3.5. Bones, hold that thought. Bones, hold that thought. I'm going to take this one. (laughs) Okay, good. Uh, I'm going to guess Bones at a 2.5 on this movie. Dan... I'm going to guess a three. Dan, I'm going to give you a three. Cron, I'm going to give you a 2.5 as well. Cron Howard, I'm going 2.5. Bones, I'm, I'm going to go a three. All right, guys. Uh, Walter Hill's Streets of Fire. To me, this thing, it's like all sizzle and no steak. Like... I, I think this movie looks really, really good. Um, but, like, this was a first watch for me. All the stuff I connected with was basically all the visual kind of element. Um, like, the actual storyline I could kind of take or leave um, didn't really do too much for me. Um, but it's slick, man. I mean, there's there's no way around it. Like, the music, it, it has, like, a very music video feel. Um, the way he shoots the Ames performances, I think are good. Um, I really do enjoy that segment in the middle where it's kind of like a beat to the music and it's kind of cutting between like black and these two second scenes of the street. Um, like all that stuff I think is incredible. Um, but at the same time, if I just think about Walter Hill and I've certainly not seen all of his movies, but this just feels like a non-Walter Hill, Walter Hill movie. I mean, it doesn't have kind of the like hard-nosed sentimentality that I've come to expect from what he does. Um, it's not a bad movie. Um, it just, at the end of the day, it doesn't do much for me. So I'm going to go right down the middle, 2.5. I think with a few tweaks that this is a a pretty strong fun movie. I think the idea of coming at it with this creative template of a rock and roll fable is kind of cool. I like the the idea of the atmosphere um this place that is Chicago but isn't Chicago. It's 50s but it's not 50s. Uh it's I do enjoy that. A few tweaks, you know, about 45 minutes into the movie, the movie's kind of over. And then they sort of really drag out the end. You know, you you get the girl out and it doesn't, there's not a lot of tension after that. And on my second watch this week, I found that really what I think I was missing was a little bit more Raven and a little bit more conflict and I don't know if the script is trying to make the conflict solely with Cody's emotions and I don't know if if our main character here is is really coming through 
I think Diane Lane's pretty strong in what little bit she has. I think Rick Moranis is kind of acting the shit out of everybody else, like just in terms of ease. But I do think the music is pretty damn fucking strong. And this being a rock and roll fable, I think if the music had had been worse, it would have been a lot more embarrassing. So I'm giving it a little extra bump for the music, and that puts me at a three. Um, I, I'm going to kind of echo what Bones is saying. I think Rick Morales, I think he's leaned on a little too much maybe for comic relief that doesn't necessarily work all the time. I think he kind of comes off more as an asshole instead of maybe funny. Um, a lot of 48 hours, I think Eddie Murphy type of role right there is what I was thinking. I really enjoyed Tom Cody's performance. I think it's great at the very end how he's like, look, I'm not going to fucking carry your guitars around. Like we know that like I'm out. I love how he, Kind of just let her go. Um, he got the job done and was like, All right, "Yeah, I don't. This is, I don't want this." Uh, I love the world building here. Like I said, rock and roll fable. I think that works. It works. I think it's just me. I agree. We need more Raven. We just need maybe a, another action sequence with McCoy in them. Like you said, maybe another gang they had to go do something with and then come to the Torchies with the bombers location. The music is great. It looks great. Uh, everything that he mentions and what he wanted to add to this, the kiss in the rain, the neon, all that stuff is all there. There's just something that that holds it back just a little bit. And I think that's... I'm at a three. That's what I'm at. And I think if we just had a little bit more, that would push it up to a 3.5. It's gained... I guess cult status as time has went on. But people love it, man. There, and I've seen a lot of like 50-50. Some people fucking love it. Some people like are like, this is terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I think a three, I think a three is good on this. All right, guys. Uh, Streets of Fire would end up at number 49 on the big list with an average score from us of 2.83. Uh, this would currently be right below the Green Knight at number 48 and right above hey black dog at number 50 oof we gotta start watching some worse movies man poor black dog <laughs> uh Kron rate my letterbox scores you have a 1.5 for this evening and Dan and I have both got twos wow all right, guys. The game is currently 
Neck and neck. Uh, Dan, you are leading the pack with a 7.5. Followed by me with a 7. And Bones, you're right in the hunt, dude. 6.5. One point separates the three of us currently. And as we have admitted, this will be a long game as the rewinds take a backseat to Thunder and Paradise. How about that last episode of Thunder and Paradise? Mr. DK coming in here. Thank you, DK. Just owning owning that character work and that cult open. <laughs> you got to hear it, folks. Somebody might have might have spilt some uh, downloads available on our Discord. I don't know. Maybe some some Thunder and Paradise episodes. I don't know. Who can say? If you're wondering how the hell, gotta go check it out. How the hell do I watch Thunder in Paradise? I don't know. Join the goddamn Discord. I second that. Join the Discord. Um, the amendment passes unanimously. (laughs) If you're listening to this, you must join Discord. It's it's the rules. You've Mm -hmm. agreed to it. Also, rate and review us on whatever you're on, preferably yeah, Apple would, and Spotify. That would um, be helpful. That would help us out. I think I'm getting ready well. to 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 maybe do a tweet of, hey, almost two years of podcasting, no ads, no Patreon, over two hours of content every week. Come on, man. Throw some. Yeah, throw, come on. Some reviews. Throw, come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> can do it. What what, um, what other show has one guy just constantly uh, pointing out actors? <laughs> like actors don't have multiple roles. Wait till he gets to next week, Ron. God. Oh, oh my shit. God. Speaking Fuck. of next week. Next week has even more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Five-day rental regulars. Uh, ladies and gentlemen... We're going to go to an after shower show. Cron Howard's going to tell us our next movie. But uh, that was Streets of Fire from 1984, directed by Walter Hill. It's the first of Direction Erection, the films of Walter Hill. Um, it's not streaming anywhere, so rent it or buy it, whichever. Um, but yeah, we're going to get out of here. We're going to fucking get some of this goddamn gasoline and grease off of us. We're going to find out what's next. Until then, crash and burn. Crash and burn. Endure and survive. Welcome back, everybody, to the five-day rentals. Uh, this is the after-shower segment where you're going to find out what we've got in store for round two of Direction Erection. Walter Hill. <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain for the listeners. As soon as Dan told us what this category was, 
I told these other guys what I was picking. Um, just flat out, there was no question about it. Uh, I don't think I've seen a ton of Walter Hill movies, but I have seen the one that I picked, and I truly love the film. Like, I think it's great. I think it's an underrated masterpiece. Um, it is my oh. personal favorite Walter Hill movie that I have seen. Uh, this thing is fucking stacked with character actors. Uh, Nick Nolte, Powers Booth, Michael Ironside, Maria Conchita Alonso, Rip Torn, Clancy Brown, William Forsyth, uh, Tiny Lister is in this thing. Um, it just, it doesn't end in the movie I've selected. It is character actors start to finish. Um, uh, no, no reason to delay it any longer. It is extreme prejudice directed by the one and only Walter Hill from 1987. Guys, I, yeah, I truthfully just really love this movie. So I'm happy we're <laughs> going to be oh, covering yeah. it. Dan, I think you've probably seen this before. Yes, sir. Well, you never logged it, so. <laughs> well, I knew this category was upcoming, so there's a lot of Walter Hill that's not logged in my letterboxed. Uh, this movie was notoriously difficult to find until the Vestron Video Blu-ray wing decided to put this thing out. I'm super pumped they did. This was like... I think I was out running errands and had to stop at Walmart. And this thing was like an $11 Blu-ray <laughs> and picked it up, saw Walter Hill's name. I was like, how bad can it be for 11 bucks? I was blown away. Hell yeah. Great purchase. Uh, I do think like we've talked about a lot of the stuff that I like. I think I just really dig movies that are all character actors. <laughs> like, the thing, uh, I mean, most of Carpenter's stuff, but yeah, the Palma know, too. I yeah, the Palma's not. Yeah. Hey, let's put that in a, a point in the pro cron category, man. <laughs> There's not much there. Yeah, no, there's so, so little you, in the yeah. pro cron category. But I Bones, is this a first watch? This is a first watch, but this was in my bank. Bones. So this, I started to see, I think around the time of that re-release, I was seeing some stuff, some activity for it. I watched a trailer. I was like, fuck, yeah, this is something that I'll work in. So Kron picking this took it off. And then when we were talking about it last week or two weeks ago, I was like, well, if he's got it, that's, that's awesome because I'd prefer to watch it. Bones, I think you're going to dig this movie. I mean, I feel like of the Cron bones venn diagram, this might be middle territory. Okay. Like, perfect middle. Hell yeah. So, um, yeah, man. I don't know. I love this thing. I'm super pumped to rewatch it. Uh, Dan did get a little bit of a benefit of all these fucking music segments eating up the plot. Extreme Prejudice is basically too much movie for one film. I mean, it's 
it's kind of like two movies smashed together. So it's going to be a real struggle. I'm going to have to uh, not have a pre-record drink as I've <laughs> been known to do in the past. Um, yeah, I don't know. This thing's great. Can't wait to talk about it. No Extra. one's coming here for accuracy, buddy. Hey. <laughs> I uh, I realized that when I decided that LA Confidential will be our next five-star banger. Because that is a super plot-heavy fucking movie. That might be a very breezy plot synopsis to get us <laughs> through that bad boy. Like, it's a, it's a five-star, so. Yeah. We'll, we'll cruise through that. But I, I'm very excited to uh, to revisit this. And I still, I have not decided yet. Very I'm nice. Going, I'm going to wait. I'm going to try to try to balance out the vibe here. So, Well, pre-record, <laughs> Dan and I guessed every Walter Hill movie. So <laughs> yeah. one of us has already named right. it. One of us, That's yeah, true. you got it. One of you got it. <laughs> All right, Thank guys. You, uh, yeah, that's all I got. I mean, Extreme Prejudice. Uh, this movie's fucking awesome. That's about it. Right. Is it available anywhere, Karan? Uh, I don't think it's available anywhere currently, but I've made my copy available to Bones. So, it's about if you're it's about twelve bucks on Amazon for the Blu-ray. So, yeah, if you're real desperate to watch this thing, uh. I don't know. Hit me up in the Discord. <laughs> you you can purchase it digitally. You cannot rent it. Damn. So we're looking at currently uh, an eight dollar purchase. Do you feel confident saying that that's an eight dollar, like, like yes. it's worth eight bucks to buy? Yes, I would say. Well, I would honestly say just spend the extra three to four dollars and get the Blu-ray. But um, okay. I think it was twelve bucks when I bought it. Yeah, it, God. if you really want to watch it, just hit me up in the Discord. <laughs> yeah, I'll be happy to see those in blue in, blue eyes of Nick Nolte next week. In in twenty twenty three, if you're listening to this in twenty twenty eight, we're dead. Yeah, I'm already dead. So oh, I'll be dead. I'll be dead. I got cirrhosis of the liver and <laughs> passed away. So, me and Liam Neeson will kill each other in a hammer fight. <laughs> Remember, you wanted this. Bet Liam Neeson would cave your head in and then cave his own head in. Aw, that's just <laughs> man. What a bummer! I, dude pisses himself, man. I mean, he doesn't care. What? And I don't. That's a good point. I'm, I'm not peeing a, right now. I'm not around you 24-7. I don't know. <laughs> Next time we're around each other, I'm pissing myself. Please. Jeez. Please do. It's not that far away. So, All right. Thanks, dude. Yeah. All right, guys. Extreme prejudice. Until then, uh, Cyber Christ lives. Crash and burn. You can't be a stud if you don't eat your grub.